and welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy. And with the Demons' comprehensive victory on Friday night, we have now occupied a spot inside the top four in every single round in back-to-back seasons. A feat that has not been achieved since the Bombers in 2000 and 2001. What a time to be a Demon fan. Joining me tonight to discuss the emphatic win in the Sunshine State is longtime Demonlander George. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Uh, welcome to our listeners in Nairobi, Belgium, and Kongwak. And a very big welcome as well to our very own Lord of the Loading Theory, uh, the Baron of the Betting Markets, and our nominee for the Nudie Runs, the Bin Man. Good evening. Good evening, George. Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Demonlanders. And uh, now I'm a three-time nudie run champion and uh, retire. Um, I've retired from that particular competition. That's a uh, fantastic, fantastic uh, win, wasn't it? Um, how awesome was it for you, Andy, being up there? It was so good. Um, I really was not expecting... Uh, uh, I, I actually was quite confident that we, we would win, um, but I was not expecting the manner in which we did win and it made it all the sweeter because I was just, I had a fantastic seat. So I was smack bang in the centre of the ground, one level up. It's really close to the action um, and I was just surrounded by Brisbane fans. Um, I had a, a nice Melbourne uh, supporting family in front of me and, um, and I wasn't obnoxious because uh, I wanted to get out of there alive. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was just very, very sweet. And they were just shell-shocked. I, I don't think they realised uh, just how far uh, far behind they, they probably are. Um, and I think they realise that now. Um, tonight. Well, uh, behind us. How well, far but, they are behind well, us. And uh, I think uh, we'll touch on well, that through we, the night. We do. I've got, I think I've, that's a key um, caveat. Yes, absolutely, and uh, and tonight we're um, uh, we'll do it. We'll do our usual match uh, wrap up uh, before going into questions from our listeners. We'll touch on the Casey's final match and their defe- first defeat for the season, and I guess we'll talk in general terms about the finals. But I think we'll save the in-depth preview of our qualifying final against the Swans uh, with ins and outs and opposition watch, and, and a more in-depth preview of the finals until next week's show. Uh, we do have a lot of questions, and we'll get to them shortly. We did have a caller who called in uh, just as we were going to the going to the intro uh, song. So if you want to call back, we'll get to you uh, shortly. Um, but before we get oh, – no, we'll go with the match wrap up and then we do have a voicemailer that we'll get to. So I'll, once again, I was as I, as I mentioned, I was fortunate enough to travel interstate to witness the Dees tear apart uh, one of the contenders for our crown. And I must say, after two years of not being able to travel for footy, it's great to be able to get back to visit these interstate fortresses and even better to come home with the four points – It was a beautiful, clear day Uh, on Friday. The temperature was a lovely warm 27 degrees, so don't be jealous all you guys stuck back in Melbourne. And despite having travelled to the Gapper a couple of times, I'd always travelled up from the Gold Coast and never actually taken in the city of Bris Vegas. And I must say that I was quite impressed, and I'm not sure if it was the warmth of the sun or the fact that I was flying solo, unfettered by work or kids. Uh, But Brisbane, the city, put on a magnificent show, but unfortunately their footy team couldn't deliver for their own fans. They were simply uh, DOA dead on arrival as Cozzy nailed his second goal over two games in the space of about 30 seconds of actual game time. And the D's never looked back, uh, uh, playing with some of the flair of late 2021 that has only been glimpsed uh, at times in 2022. 
At quarter time, we had a five-goal lead, and by halftime, that lead had been extended to a whopping 11 goals. Our defence was just superb and back to their impenetrable uh, best, not only keeping another team down to under 60 points, but keeping the league's most potent team to under 60 points for the second time this season. And speaking of the second time this season, it was the second time this season that Michael Hibbard emptied his pockets at the end of the night only to discover Charlie Cameron uh, still stuck in there. Uh, Our generals in defence, May, Lever and Petty, had 21 intercepts and 15 spoils between them. And whilst the smaller defenders in Rivers, Hunt and Bowie moved the ball out of defence with ease, all showing composure uh, to set up our scoring chains. Our foot... Our forwards were on song and continue to show that we can, in fact, put on big scores with only one tall forward. Who's been calling for two tall forwards? I have no idea. I might be guilty of that. Cozzy was electric, booting four goals before halftime, whilst the Fritch magnet booted four of his own. And a shout-out to Bailey Fritch for kicking 50 goals in consecutive years. He joins the likes of recent players in Bennett, Lyon and Nita to achieve that. And he was also the only AFL player this season to kick a goal in every single home-and-away game uh, of the year. Despite getting battered and bruised, big Benny Brown was able to shake it off and contribute three goals uh, from six marks and was instrumental in a few other scores with his ability to tap the ball to advantage to our small forwards. In the middle, it was a welcome sight to see our two big men dominate. Luke Jackson chalked up the highest percentage of hitouts to advantage uh, that had been recorded uh, from 2002 onwards, and that's a minimum of 15 hitouts in the game, uh, with 70.6%. The previous highest percentage hitouts to advantage was 68.8% by Dean Brogan in 2006. The Demons Mids won the around-the-ground stoppage clearances, 31-20. to 20. Best on ground, Clayton Oliver led the way with both Petraka and Brayshaw ably assisting. The Ds have no fear of travelling with our interstate streak now at 12 games running, just three games behind 2012-2014 to 2014 Hawks, who are on 15. Uh, the Ds have beaten the Lions by a total of 122 points this season, and the Lions have only lost their other five games combined by 46 points. Uh, so we, uh, they are our bunnies, uh, so to speak. The Ds were seriously impressive and have put the rest of the competition on notice on the eve of the 2022 final series. This was a return of the team that struck fear into the opposition last September. Will they be able to parlay that form into the fi- this final series as they come up against the rest of the top four who all had the better of the Ds during the home and away series? Gentlemen, do you want to add any uh, general comments before we go to our voicemailer and our questions from our listeners? Be mad. Just a general comment. I mean, our questions will cover off a fair bit of the game. Yeah. Is that that I, I, I'm amazed to some degree how little love there is for this win. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm looking through the lens of Demonland, obviously, and there's a fair bit of love, but uh, it's. There also seems to be a fair bit of ambivalence, um, both in on Demonland and um, in the media. For my, my my perspective, that is one of the most impressive halves of football in my whole time that I've ever followed Melbourne. Um, I mean, the grand final was was obviously one, but that wasn't even a full half. Really, that was half of the third quarter and half of the final quarter. But from beginning to end, um, I can't think of a more impressive performance in terms of scoreboard and the way we played. Um, and it'll come up probably through the um, show at different points. 
But I, I just wanted to make a point about um, our first half against Collingwood. Our first half of, against Collingwood was not far behind um, um, this half, and we kicked twelve seven that night. Um, and what were we at halftime um, this week? Um, our, our accuracy was so much better, and that that was the difference in combination with the fact that Collingwood took their chances. Thirteen three. 13-3 to um, uh, 12-7 in that um, Pies game. Uh, in that Pies game, the Pies were ridiculously um, high percentage, so eight goals from 17 inside 50s in that first half. We completely shut them out except um, their ability to um, to score. And if you look at their scores since Collingwood, their average, their accuracy has been nowhere near. It's been nowhere near that was that night. So, um, uh, you know, not wanting to rehash that game, but um, I just think it's important to look at those two, um, you know, together in a way because it was equally impressive in that first half everywhere but the scoreboard against Collingwood, um, almost equally impressive. But um, we were incredible in this match and, you know, there was an elimination final, I think, 87 um, which was phenomenal when we flogged, is it Sydney? I think we beat uh, North, North first and Sydney. North that was close, but um, for, a, for a big game, that was um, as impressive a performance as you're going to get. And I think we're all a little bit spoiled from the, from the finals last year if we think that we're not blown away by that, really. Uh, was, George? Yeah, the, I think you're absolutely right, Bin Man. Um, people shouldn't underestimate this game um, and what we achieved in it. Um, Brisbane's record in the last four years at home, they've had 35 wins and two losses. It's, it's just incredible. You know, we've now um, given them the third, their third loss in the, in, the, in the last four years. It's just, just amazing. I think it's also worthwhile um, reflecting on what uh, Simon Goodwin said after the game, where he said, Tonight was the first time we've been able to deliver finals-type football. We've been building this for six to seven weeks, and we've seen exactly with the results from this game what that means. Um, all around the ground, it was just simply incredible. The the backs were incredible. Um, uh, Bowie with five intercepts, Hibbert four, May six, Lever nine, Hunt nine, Petty six, Rivers five, 44 inset, intercepts in total amongst our, our backs uh, six and seven. It's, it's just incredible numbers. That, and when you're watching it on the television, Andy watching it live, it would have seen that the the systems and the fluidity all of a sudden was back with um, the players on the field. You know, they were running, overlap, um, pumping it deep forward. Uh, the forwards... Got a got a very early lesson from Jake Lever on how to kick straight, and they followed it up for the rest of the night. Ben Brown, in particular, had th- uh, three goals, which you know when you when you want the, your full forward to nail one, he nailed them beautifully for it. You know the efforts of Cozzy and and Fritch were remarkable again. Um, the numbers when you look at for inside fifties for goal, Melbourne had two point seven um, for every two point seven inside fifties. We scored a goal. Brisbane's was 7.25. You know, it's just the numbers are just off the charts, what we were doing to doing to them. The rebound 50s, 50 to 31. Just incredible again. Disposals for goal, per goal, Melbourne 18, Brisbane 43. You know, so it was direct, it was ruthless football, and we really put them to the sword in a big, big way. Um, 
don't forget Brisbane were in the top four. You know, they're fighting for a, you know, um, a, a position there and we've ripped them one completely apart, ripped them apart. So, um, yeah, a truly remarkable effort. Don't discount it by any stretch of the imagination. We're back to our best. Um, and I think, uh, and Ben Mann will probably talk about it a bit later on, our best is a lot better than the uh, uh, most of the rest of the people who are sitting in the top eight. So uh, get ready for the ride, Demon fans. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, um, they were two up at half time um, in inside 50s. Now, I don't know what the number, um, as I said last week, the Ds really value um, forward half footy, so do Lions. So how, how much percentage in time in half? If you watch their board when they come out at um, quarter and three-quarter time, it's one of the four things they have as their priority. Um, contested ball was another. Um, we got out to, after six or seven minutes of the first quarter, we were already 11 um, up in contested possession. They wasted all of their energy on that ridiculous aggression that they came out with targeting players as if that was going to rattle us. And we poured our energy into winning the football. Um, what was interesting, though, is that the end of the game was only 10 and it oscillated between, it. you know, I think it only went um, it was a, as low as a five differential, but it oscillated for the entire match from that six or seven minute mark between about five and ten um, contested possessions. So I, Brisbane were incredible, in fact, mm. in their ability to keep hard at the contest and they ended up winning their the inside 50 count by ten, or sorry, eight by the end of the match. Um, you know, they, they, they're their performance was was pretty impressive in a lot of ways, Brisbane, despite what the commentary about it is um, and by by extension downplaying us. And um, you mentioned uh, Goody's um, post-match comments, George. I posted on Dean Land during the week on the Thursday. He had his press match, uh, sorry, his um, pre-game um, uh, presser and it caught my attention um, when he said, uh, quote, uh, they feel physically fresh, they feel ready to go, speaking about the players, obviously. They feel physically fresh, they feel ready to go. We feel like we've been able to build some cohesion in the way we play in the last four or five weeks. When I read that and heard, um, and heard him say that, I thought, right, okay, I know what he's talking about here. We're going to come out and we're going to do what we did, which is run in waves, get that surge going um, and, you know, we look a completely different team when we're at our physical optimal best. And what's exciting is we're probably pretty close now to our physical optimal readiness, but we've probably got a little bit more, um, um, you know, we're not fully wound up. So we've probably got a little bit more, maybe another half gear or gear that we can go up. So, you know, just an incredible performance. And, you know, I really find it a bit frustrating that, more people aren't talking about what an incredible performance is and the narrative seems to be, is it more Melbourne or is it more about how poor Brisbane were? Well, we've got a question I know later on about that, so we'll get to that shortly. Um, if you do want to join us tonight, uh, 03 9016 or you can Skype us, Demonland31. We will answer the call on mute and uh, get to you when we can. Uh, we have um, one of Demonland poster AF uh, was kind enough to uh, call in. He left a message for us. So I'll play that message now and then I'll get the boys uh, their answers to that question. Uh, here is AF. Hello, boys. Uh, it's AF here struggling with a little bit of laryngitis. Uh, love the potters. Great work. Just had a quick question uh, in regards to finals and how we may approach we may approach that. Um, Positive Binners has talked a little bit about the idea of going really fast against the Bulldogs 
in the first half and, the, and Collingwood and seeing if we can blow them away. Do we think that'll be the strategy in finals or do we just sort of see if it's a more contested style where we can't go as fast without conceding? I uh, just wanted your thoughts on that and uh, go Redleggers. Big man, that's a, a perfect one for you to take. Uh, and as well, you might want to answer, did we do that against Brisbane? Where we would use that strategy against Brisbane and try and get a big pile on a big score early? Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure that that's the modus operandi. That's the model. Um, it jags with the model last year, but I think the difference is that um, we're, you know, whether we continue to do it, I think we will, but there's no doubt in my mind that that was the strategy against Brisbane and it was certainly the strategy against Collingwood as well. Um, they did it against the Dogs. The difference between the Dogs game, though, I think in um, this game and the Pies game is that they went, you know, my feeling is in the, the model is to get as a match-winning lead at, up to halftime and then hold from that point on. Um, the first 10 minutes of the um, third quarter against the Pies, um, we trapped it in our forward half and, and it looked like a, a Melbourne match. Um, and the same for this um, um, game of footy. Now, there was a bit of talk about, you know, the second half and the slowdown. There were a couple of things. One is that I think it fits with that model, is, your, is that we get a match-winning um, lead and then it becomes really problematical for the opposition because they then have to make a choice. How do they get back from, say, a five, six-goal um, deficit at half time. Do they change their approach? Do they be, go more aggressive? Um, it's, that means that they have to think about what they do. Um, I absolutely think that that's the um, strategy um, of, of putting the. I think they tried to do that in the grand final last year. They came out hard. They caught um, pies on. Uh, sorry, the dogs on the hop. We did that here, and we did some similar things, and we'll probably touch on them through. But there were some clear, interesting tactical tweaks that um, that disrupted um, Pagan's thinking. Um, I think um, the second half in this game was a little bit unusual, but I think people are underestimating one. I, I think that that's the model, but two. The smart play was to go um, slow the game in the second half because if you want to maximise your percentage, as we, as anyone who followed the St Kilda Swans game, is you want the opposition to be scoring as less as possible. So if we'd if we'd kept on trying to score fast in that second half, we were at major. We were at, you know from again goodies about the probability and 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 the, what's the percentage play. The percentage plays to play slow in that second half to reduce their score as much as possible. That was the way to maximise our percentage boost. Um, the two late, bar for those two late goals, it worked a treat. Um, one of that last goal was really unlucky. I didn't think that um, free was there and it could have gone either way. But nonetheless, it was a smart play um, to go slow in that second half. So short answer, yes, I think that is our um, model. And yes, I do think that we'll um, attack the finals in the same way. We'll, we'll look to come out of the blocks hard against the Swans um, and make it very hard for them to get back into the game. Anything you want to add, George, before we go on? Yeah, uh, the only things I'd add were um, would be that um, when you hit finals, apart from uh, that first week, effectively for that top four, everything else is cutthroat. There's no you're you're either in it to win it on that particular day, um, and the idea is to get as far in front because then the opposition have got to throw uh, caution to the wind and take risks because there is no next week for most for most of the teams in the top eight. Um, so that style of play, when Goody talks about playing finals football, that's what it's all about. It's about winning. Uh, very early in the game and doing it to the extent that the opposition struggle to come back. The other thing is that um, whoever's in the eight, you're playing against teams that have generally got good contested um, ball winners 
uh, in there and you need to impose yourself pretty early on um, to overcome the, uh, the opposition. Um, it's exactly what we did in this Brisbane game. It's exactly what we um, did in last year's grand final. You impose yourself very early, early on and the opposition are worried about what you possibly uh, can do to them whenever you wish. So, uh, yeah, it will be a tactic that we'll employ. But then so are, so are most of the other teams going to try to do the same sort of thing uh, because, like I said, there's, there's no second chances in finals. They are, but the advantage we've got, we saw in the prelim last year and we saw in the um, uh, grand final, obviously, we saw in this match is our ability to generate um, that wave running and that full-on pressure across every single line um, is the best in the AFL. Um, you know, I don't care what people say about Collingwood. When we get numbers at the ball, one of the things I watched the replay straight away after that game, um, and I've watched it a, the set, the first half again, is to randomly stop, pause it. Um, if you're watching, uh, if you can pause it, pause it and count how many players, Melbourne players, are around the ball at any given time whenever the ball stops or is in contest. It's so often we right from the beginning of the game, we were outnumbering them at contests. And when Melbourne do that, um, and the other thing that we did is um, when Melbourne do that and add the offensive ability that we did is that we tilted the um, risk-reward dial towards risk in that first quarter and we took more risks. We went more centrally. We we took more options, um, kicking to the top of the square, not the pockets. Um, and you know, and that's the way to take advantage of that. I mean, it helps obviously to kick accurately. Just good kicking is good football, uh, and you can't underestimate it. I mean, imagine how different that Collingwood game would have been if we kicked accurately in that first half and took our chances, uh, and we did in in this first half of footy. Um, you know, just awesome display of kicking. Just before we go on to the listeners' questions, do you think we did go out uh, very hard in terms of increasing our percentage so we would get that um, home final? Do you think that was a consideration in our mind, knowing we had to sort of win uh, by a certain amount? No, I don't think so. No, I think that's the model. I think the model um, that they've landed on is to blitz, blitz early, blitz hard, um, throw the opposition's planning around. You know, look at the big games we've played in the last – this was a big game – um, obviously the prelim and the um, qualifying final last year and the grand final. When you look at the way we've gone about it, we have blitzed at the beginning. Um, and then the other team has had to play catch-up, catch-up tactically, catch-up in effort. I mean, that's what Brisbane did. Brisbane really did fantastic to level up those contested ball numbers. Um, and they also had to adjust to some of the tactical tweaks that Goody threw at them. Um, and we might talk about that a bit later, that sort of, theme that we've had all year about predictability the good thing about predictability is that when you're unpredictable you throw um, a spanner in the opposition's sort of tactical thinking that's exactly what happened there were so many examples um, the most one of the best examples of it was the goal that um, Frida got after that lead straight up the middle which all the people who've been wanting you know the forward to lead up uh, uh, leading channel would be, would have loved it but part of the that was created because you could see what happened from the down the ground shot Hodge even talked about the confusion of Daniels and uh, the other defender was that they were looking to cover the pocket because nine times out of ten that's where Melbourne kicked to it and they completely lost their ability to hand across hand over to cover Fritter because their mind wasn't on the job 
Plus, they've got a defensive weakness that we've talked about often enough. They don't have a, 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 a sophisticated modern defensive system that should have blocked that lane. Um, but nonetheless, that they were not expecting a kick to the corridor. They were expecting a kick to the pocket. All right. We have a caller on the line. Uh, good evening, caller. Who am I talking to? Uh, you're talking to Murdoch516 from the forums. Hey, Murdoch. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad. Um, I think I'm the first first time caller. I can't remember calling in before, but uh, <laughs> it's an honour to be here. <laughs> Pleasure to have you. What do you want to say? Um, yeah, I just had a quick question. Uh, well, more of a statement to get your thoughts on it. Um, are we talking about our future opponents tonight or is that uh, next week time? It's probably for next week. Uh, if that's all you've got, ask it. <laughs> we can talk it, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it was more on the point that kind of Bin Man just brought up about predictability and uh, how, well, how I guess in a lot of our losses this year, we haven't changed a lot up and we've kind of been beaten um, without, you know, I guess changing our tactics or changing our team selection around too much. It's been a lot of the same all year and then heading into finals with our future opponents. Obviously, Sydney beat us earlier in the year. Um, so I was just wondering... In terms of uh, going into the finals, obviously T-Mac is a potential in. Um, I think the last time we played Sydney, we didn't have Melksham playing. Um, I believe Hunt was playing. I don't think Bowie was playing. Um, do we think we're going to make many changes from the team that played at Brisbane this week? Um, or do you reckon we just play it safe and maybe just go with the same 22 that uh Played Brisbane, or do we do we bring in Salem? Do we bring in uh, McDonald? Maybe do we drop Melksham, or do we keep him in? Uh, yeah, just want to get you guys' thoughts. Be man, I'll let you take it. Don't go too much into it because we will be talking about this next week. Um, so you just yeah. give some surface thoughts. Well, working backwards, that I, you know, just the, I think that the other comment that Goody was really stressing during the week was the importance of cohesion, and I thought that was a really interesting insight into his philosophy about coaching is that cohesion um, is so critical from both team synergy, but because he is such a system-based coach, is that you know it, you, you can't be chopping and changing. So the short answer is I can't say there'll be many changes at all. Salo probably comes back. Um, in terms of the predictability and what we might do against the Swans, um, you know, before during the week I'd posted on on this on Demonland that um, there was a really similar discussion criticising Melbourne's predictability this time last year. Um, there was a big theme about it, you know, that we always kick to the same spot, yada, yada, yada. Um, so, you know, the same conversation came up this year. and um, But come the preliminary final, remember we talked about this year, is about what tweaks he might bring into the finals. Come the preliminary final and grand final, we definitely went, for instance, more central with our inside 50 kicks. And as I say, move that risk-reward dial towards risk a bit more. Um, and that's one of the advantages of being predictable because the opposition make do all their planning around their systems, their structures, their tactics um, to counter what we do. And if we do the same thing all the time, they're going to respond accordingly, meaning if we, we suddenly become unpredictable, we can catch them out, which is what we did in the grand final because uh, we got to jump on the dogs. And I reckon partly that was because we did something a bit different with our inside 50 entries. The dogs who like to um, have their, um, you know, the man in front, they were thrown out a bit. There's defensive structure, um, you know, was thrown out of whack and they took some time to balance up and exactly the same thing happened in this game. Brisbane... W- 
their defense is a bit of a rabble at the best of times, so it's the dogs for that matter. Um, but they could not organize their back six properly in this game. Um, and partly because we were unpredictable. We were suddenly going to the hot to the top of the square. We were going in cutting laterally. We were much more aggressive with our um, inside fifties. Um, but you know, there was an even better example of, of the advantage of um, unpredictability, which was Cozzy's the goal that set up um, Cozzy's match winning goal because they the Blues fully expected us to be going down the line, and we obviously knew that. And so we planned a setup that looked to create an outnumber in the corridor. Um, and then Lever didn't even hesitate to go around his body and kick laterally into that corridor, knowing that we'd have an outnumber, um, which they'd organised. But that was because they knew that. Um, that Blues would set up down the line to protect a down the line to kick. And that's 100% what they no doubt um, expected us to do. And we talked last after that match also that the way Hunt um, didn't kick it um, to the pocket and kicked it 20 metres out. Well, they would have been expecting him to kick it to the pocket because nine times out of ten, um, that's what we do. But we didn't. And, we again, we did um, the same thing in that um, this match. So, you know, the other example during the Geelong game was everyone criticising... Um, Goody for not responding to their tactic of putting Blickarves or whatever his name is in front of um, Blix, yep, um, <laughs> in, in front of Max Gorn and that kick from May. Well, you know, the advantage of not responding is Scott, we know Scott might try that in the finals if we play them. Scott doesn't know how we'll respond in the finals. Um, and there was another example of the predictability, which I thought was hilarious, actually, is um, that, you know, Goody plays a pretty straight bat. I wouldn't want to play poker against him. But Harms to Neil was all everyone was talking about Harms to Neil. And I heard Chaplin interviewed before the game on SEN. Basically, um, Jones asked him about it. And he didn't actually say, yes, Harms to Neil. But he said, oh, Jonesy, you know how we play. Yeah, you know, you're right. And we look to what, you know, we look to actually not, tag him hard, we look to exploit his uh, defensive work uh, and stop him on offense. But then what happens? He d- Brayshaw goes to him and I thought it was a brilliant tactical move because unusually um, Harms went to Bailey mm. uh, and Bailey's critical to the way they move the ball yep. from stoppages. He's really super important to the way they score and get it away from um, stoppages. So I thought that was a, a really clever move and it plays on that predictability because they were expecting certain things to happen. Um, Pagan was clearly expecting certain Fagan. things to happen and I thought it took a while to get his um, stuff together um, to um, tactic respond to what we were doing this is in the 90s it was fagan not pagan not fagan pagan (laughs) (laughs) yes good point uh murdoch uh, does that answer your questions yeah that was a great answer um i'll get off the line now so you can continue (laughs) your pod thank you thanks murdoch appreciate the call uh george did you want to add anything there wasn't sure if you were no, no, indicating. No, not, not really. I, I'll <laughs> just right. go back to to what Man said before, or what uh, sorry Goodwin said before, was you know this is the first time that we've been able to do it this season. Um, he's not going to change change um, from his uh, winning finals type form uh, football formula. So um, I don't think we'll see much much in the way of changes from personnel. But we'll talk about that next week. All right, and that we will. Um, uh, so. Uh, but everyone, welcome to call in 039 016 You can Skype us on DMLAN31. Uh, let's keep to 
questions about uh, this past game because we will do a preview of the finals uh, next finals and the Swans game next week. Uh, let's get to listeners' questions. Uh, Dean Milan poster RPFC. He says that the age-old uh, unanswerable question was that more about, was that more about the opposition than us? And I think we sort of answered this, but you can go into it. I think that that it does say more about the Lions, but nevertheless, it was a it was a great habit to get into to lead into space more and lower our eyes more and be more patient. They are obviously running in waves, and fitness is very high. Utilizing that, that gave it to the. Uh, they gave it to the runner laterally a few times and they also kicked it better with less blazing away. Now, Nairobi Demon, he adds, uh, like RPFC and without discrediting the performance of the boys, I'd be grateful for your thoughts on the extent to which the result hinged on their performance or our top-notch performance. More specifically, did they try but fail to execute strategies that other teams have used successfully against us? Or were we able to negate those strategies this time because of our improving fitness and or counter strategies? Or did they simply not try any of those strategies such as moving the ball fast through the middle, 45 degree kicks, lowering the eyes, etc.? My sense is that we shouldn't get too carried away. Finals against Geelong, Sydney, Collingwood and Richmond will be much tougher than last Friday night. And what I say is I was at the ground so and it was quite noticeable that the Lions rarely switched or went into the corridor. They would often fall into our trap and slow play it and then we were all set up and we know how the story ends uh, for most of teams that play that way against us. A few times they did move the ball quickly and use the corridor and uh, they actually sometimes scored from that or put themselves into a position to score but that was quite rare. They simply didn't play the way that some of the other contenders that we've come up against have and at no time were we under, I didn't think we were under the immense pressure that we have been in some of our losses. Uh, so uh, were we just good or were they simply just bad? It's hard to say. B-Man, I know you've got your own thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I just think it's a completely false narrative and I'm surprised that these fans are running with it. Um, I'm not surprised the media are, but it's bloody frustrating. I mean, there's barely a noise about, you know, um, during the week I'm, you know, it's just really frustrating because they played better than Collingwood did in that first half. They were awesome um, in many ways. And, I mean, it was amazing watching Neil. I watched his work at the mm. um, Centre Bounces. is just unbelievable, phenomenal. Um, they've got, you know, as I said, they never dropped their head. We got out to 11 um, um, clearance deferential after about 10 minutes and then it was eight at the end of the match. Um, they kept on coming all day. I think they've their defensive weakness was shown up, um, you know. But the thing about what other teams can do, they were trying to go through the middle. They were trying to go fast. That's the point about being at optimal level of fitness, which just to bang on about it again, we haven't been at that level before. That's the first time we've been anywhere, you know, close probably since around six or seven to our optimal fitness um, compared to, to last year's finals. And you saw what happened. We ran in numbers and that makes it look like, um, um, you know, offensively we've got more options because we do and we've got more free players inside 50. So our scoring ratio is going to go up. We were aggressive with our ball movement in terms of where we kicked it. So our um, ratio was going up. But even things like the banana at the end of the second um, half and Cozzy's Brown at the second half and Cozzy in the first half, you know, 
the fact that they're um, fitter and fresher enables them to be able to execute their skills better. Everything works better when they're fitter and fresher, including execution. I think one of the myths is is that other teams are going to do this um, much better than Brisbane were, which is get through the corridor and switch. We just simply didn't allow them. And one of the things I really liked about the coverage actually was there were a lot of high shots and a lot of down-the-ground shots, and you could really see the um, advantage that we were getting from the incredible defensive spread, but also the running. You know, if you look at that goal that Cozzy kicked, um, where Langdon um, hit it back to him, that started in their defence. Both those players were on the half-back flank. They both ran the length of the ground. Uh, that was in the first quarter. And four or five other Melbourne players were running parallel with them at that same time. Cozzy and Langers both had a direct opponent on, on them at the start of that contest. Neither of those opponents could go with them and were gassed by the end, could keep up, and we got Langer tapping it to um, um, Langer's um, tapping it to Cozzy. That's just phenomenal running. So, um, yeah, I, I really push back against the narrative that it's um, um, Brisbane. All right. Uh, Lord Never asks, I wouldn't mind a bit of analysis around our clearance quality and forward structure slash efficiency since we put Jacko in the middle more and gone forward. Not 100% sold yet on Gorn as a forward, although that's maybe due to the goal kicking more than anything else. But since Jacko has gone into the ruck, it seems we've got back a bit of that bang, 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 bang. Gus could be an influence in that too, maybe given his clearance numbers. It's also a possibly a preview to how he would set up next year should get Grundy come across. Uh, George, you want to... Well, there's a lot, a lot of uh, conjecture in that one, isn't yes. there? Um, look, I, I think with the the thing that we're seeing with Jackson, and and it um, ties in nicely with Bin Man's uh, loading theories, is everyone forgets that this is a 20 year old kid. Um, he's in his, you know, he's virtually, a kid. He's, he's yeah, he's a kid. He's he's pl- been playing AFL foot uh, football for two years, barely two years. Um, he's finally got to the stage where. Um, uh, with the loading and, and the pressures, he's starting to feel good with himself. He's taking marks again. Um, mm. It's the same with Gorn. All of a sudden in this game, um, this was, again, another one of uh, Goodwin's sort of left field things, is Jackson's doing the ruck right from the start mm. because he's fit, athletic and ready to go. And he absolutely jumped all over McInerney. McInerney the previous week virtually won the game for them. Um Whereas in this week, McInerney was um, almost completely nullified. It started with Jackson right from the very first bounce. So we're seeing a lot of um, uh, a lot more um, quick movement and athleticism. How many clearances did Jackson get? It was an incredible number uh, to match up his you know hit outs to advantage. You know, the and high, I thought that's where he really sweat. jumped McInerney, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah. Once the ball yeah. hit the deck, it was like McInerney it was all over. Was, yep. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not surprising, you know, when you get those sort of that that sort of extra clearance out of the middle, um, that you see the results down the forward line. Um, I'm not still sold on the idea of resting rucks down there. I don't think it's produced the results um, necessary. It certainly terrifies the opposition having someone who's 208 centimetres standing in front of them, and what do you do if the ball does come down? But um, uh, yeah, what's coming out of the middle has has been far more impressive, and I and uh, putting Brayshaw in there as well um, has been an additional Philip to the midfield because his, his numbers in the last couple of weeks have been off this chart as well. Um, Petrarca is starting to find a little bit of um, uh, sort of 
finding his way more down the forward line. Again, very challenging for for um, opposition defenders. So um, yeah, it's all coming to, together really nicely. But uh, yeah, I'd certainly keep playing Jackson the way they're playing at him at the moment, and uh, which replicates exactly what happened in the grand final, wasn't it? And it's interesting, George, because I think partly there's a couple of factors. Maxi, as we've talked about, looked a bit, in, you know, like he's carrying, you know, niggles like probably they all are. Um, but Maxi going down forward mitigates a bit against not having the second wall, doesn't it? So that's clearly part of it. But again, it's it, even if T-Mac does come back in, you know, the the, the advantage now that um, Goody's got is that he can play, the predictable one is now about 50-50 split for Jackson. He can suddenly tweak it and have 70% max if, if that's working, you know, doing ruck work, if that's working better. But I think you yeah, make a really good point about, um, you know, his ability to to follow up after the ball hits the ground. There are a couple of unbelievable uh, examples, including that one where he picked it up on the boundary line after the, the ruck in um, Jackson, just for a big fella. I mean, I, I just, the other good point you make is his age. I mean, I'm guilty of, you know, thinking he's um, forward craft needs a fair bit of work. <laughs> My mate keeps reminding me, well, he's a kid, you know, he's only a couple of years older than Darcy um, who, who looked like a fair player, but, you know, a few years away from his strength. Um, so he's got plenty of time to learn his forward craft and become a gun forward. And um, yeah, um, I'm yeah hoping he stays. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, who, who's he playing for when he, <laughs> he learns all that? Hopefully it's us. Um, uh, Lefty says, uh, just wanted to get your thoughts on Harms's return to the side and his match. Do you think he is best uh, 22? No, oh, I do. Um, you know, it was, JJ was real tough out. Um, I think it was really a matchup in the end is that, you know, as it turned out, not Neil, it was Bailey. Um, you know, I like his aggression. Um, and Bailey's uh, always hey, killed us, uh, mind you. Bailey's every always game killed us. <laughs> we play. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, I think he's best 22. Um, and, you know, he's he's good when he's got a role. His aggression is good. He's, he's not doing silly things. Um, you know, in the heat of the kitchen, um, you know, he, he's a, he's an important player. It's, it was really tough on JJ though, wasn't it? Yeah, he's going to he's, find he's, he's the, you Go yeah. ahead, George. He's the player you need in finals, isn't it? That that grunt player. You know, yeah. Just a role player, someone who can come in and, and you, don't, you don't necessarily need him in the middle at bounce-ups, but you do need him around the ground when, yeah. when it's all in. Um, in contested ball situations, so uh, and it, it's not just the tagging; he's actually getting his own ball. That's the important yeah. thing. T- t- taggings have got limited use, uh, particularly against very good players. But it, it's not just whether he beat Bailey; he got his own ball as well. So that's yeah. really, really critical. And I thought Chaplin's comments about that. I've heard sort of variations on that same theme, but. He, essentially, paraphrasing what he said is they don't tag anymore. But they they look to limit. Um, you know, if it's Neil, they look to the limit, and the same would be true of Bailey. Um, what, it, how much hurt he can do on offense? But look to ex- what was really a big, in- interesting comment. I thought was they look to exploit them on offense, mm. um, which suggests that there's something to exploit there. Um, which sort of the, another related thought is there's often the talk about um, mitigating the opposition's strengths when in tactically, and what do you do about Melbourne's strengths, or what do you do about Brisbane's strengths? I think just as important is taking advantage of their weaknesses, and um, you know that 
sort of taking advantage of or looking to, um, you know, hurt um, Neil and a player like Bailey on offense speaks to a defensive weakness there, their ability to run defensively. And the way that we brought the ball inside 50 and our unpredictability compared to how we normally play really exploited um, the um, Lions' weak defensive system, I thought. Um, and in particular, I thought made a mess of Andrew's reputation personally. He, he had a shocker. Yeah, and, and Daniel Rich as well. You know, they depend yeah. so much on him moving the ball up the ground and Pickett took him apart, quite frankly. It, it was so ineffective, Rich, wasn't it, for one yeah. of the most influential players. And you watch, they'll come out and win next week, uh, the following week, and, you know, you'll think, how, how could that happen, you know? And so I think that's, you know, I, I think that's a partly about exploiting their, their weaknesses and they, they've got a few, um, uh, you know, clearly got a few. Yeah, I wouldn't mind if they do actually beat the Tigers just as an insurance policy if we do happen to lose. <laughs> we'll talk more about that a bit later. Um, we've got – currently we've got about 70 live listeners, so that's uh, fantastic. If you do want to give us a call, 03-9016-3666, or you can Skype us on Demonland31. Uh, Radelaide asks, I'm ashamed to admit uh, that I had ridden off both the pig and milkshake and didn't think that feature at all this year. Uh, but their performances, uh, Pig especially since his return from injury and Milk in the past few weeks, have been exemplary. I know that members of the esteemed panel uh, have been critical of Melksham in the past, uh, as I and many have been too. Have your opinions changed? Um, well, for me, um, definitely. I, I thought Melksham definitely wouldn't be playing this year. Um, and, you know, I wasn't, wasn't thrilled when he got picked. But uh, so far, uh, he, he's, he's changed the way he's played. He's now a bit of a, a role player. They're giving him a role each week, whether he's taking the, um, you know, the intercept marker. He's being a bit, um, you know, being a bit more physical in the, for, in the forward line. Um, yeah, I really enjoy his role. Uh, Pig, uh, I, you know, I thought he, he's, his best days might have been over when he had the calf injury. Uh, but he's come back. He's just been sensational. He's taking those small forwards apart. We'll talk next week about who he takes uh, next week. Uh, fantastic, George. Yeah, exactly the same feelings. Um, Melcham, I think, has changed his game in the last probably four weeks. Um, uh, look at him, looking at him when he first came back into the side, he was trying to play the old Melcham way. Um, out the back, the cheap type kicks. Now he's tackling, which we've been calling for. Um, he's putting the pressure on the ball carrier. Um, he's running um, as well. And he's, um, he's giving, he's, he's, he's handing off uh, he, handballs yeah, as well. He's, <laughs> yeah, he's looking looking for other options in the forward line. So he's playing exactly what he needs to do to get into a, to a grand final type side, which I think is a big inspiration for him. Uh, Hibbert, likewise, um, I didn't think he'd come back from a calf injury, you know, given his age. It's a, a, a sign of, of being on on the slow decline, so to speak. But he has been fantastic. Uh, he's not just not just um, blanketed, you know, people like Cameron, for example. But um, his strength in that one-on-one contest that occurs every now and again when all else has failed, um, he seemed to be able to stand up and and then his uh, solid left foot to just get the ball out of the 50-metre yep. arc is, is critical. It doesn't matter where it finishes up, just get it out so the rest of the defence can set up. So he's been fantastic and he's not going anywhere at the moment. I thought he'd be surely retiring at the end of the season, but um, um, 
uh, I, I can't see any reason that he should at the moment, the way he's playing. Yeah, I concur with all of that. Um, it was interesting speaking about Chaplin again before the game in that interview. He, he was asked about um, um, Hibbert going to Cameron and he confirmed that one. So that, that happened, that one. But interestingly, he said that what he, they like about him on Cameron, apart from the fact that he does a good job, um, is that um, Cameron likes to lead up high up to the half forward line and that gets Hibbo up to the half back line. Um, where he can run off, um, um, we didn't actually say run off, where he can do some damage off the halfback flank, which to me I heard run off Cameron, which again I think is a bit of a weakness. If Cameron's not scoring goals, he doesn't give enough defensive pressure and he doesn't gut run up the ground like Cozzy does or even someone like Brown does. Um, on Melksham, you know, he's in... He's just been fantastic and he's doing exactly what we called for in 2020 when he got dropped uh, and 21 as well. His, his intensity is just brilliant um, and he looks like a player on a mission, like he's desperate to keep his spot. Um, now that he's settled in the team and like I said a couple of weeks ago that he looked a bit unsure of himself, he looks more confident of himself to go for things. He's, you know, he's a supremely talented footballer, kicks on both sides of his feet, got good hands, um, you know, he's good over his head. In this game, it was interesting because he didn't really have a defensive role as much this one because Andrews would normally be the player, um, but he, he didn't seem to have that role so clearly. He was more of an uh, offensive threat. And just finally, the other thing I love about Melksham, to be honest, is I'm loving his aggression and he's he's yep. um, and you know he's standing up for um, teammates and he's in there and he, he doesn't take a backward step, does he? And um, you know his body language has been fantastic. It's something I've criticised him for in the past. So I'm super impressed with both those players. And I mean, Hibo, his effort to touch that ball, I forget the kick. He really got up there, and I thought to myself, pigs can fly, can't they? So <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's been a um, he's just been brilliant. And as you say, George. I really love his ability to, to swivel off one foot and kick. Um, and he's even kicking a bit better on his right foot, but just to clear the zone. Um, he's sort of got a funny scooping action, but, um, you know, he gets it out of there a lot um, when we're under pressure. He didn't, just to refresh my memory, he didn't play in the qualifying final last year. That's Cameron did kick four goals, I think three in the first quarter. Um Smith was Smith on was him. Smith was on him. And then I think uh, Hibbard, uh, Smith got injured. Hibbard came in for the prelim. So, yeah. right place, yeah. right time. Um, yeah. Um, Bigfoot asks, love the podcast. Look forward to it every week. My question, Salem's late withdrawal gave Jake Bowie an opportunity to remind us what he can bring to the side. He's a calm pressure, a calm presence down back and has a great kick. Obviously, Salem is best 22. But what does this mean for our lucky charm? Uh, Demon WA adds, uh, keen to hear you all discuss the backline makeup in this game and moving forward. Salem's withdrawal didn't seem to affect us all that much with Rivers in particular playing with some noticeable dare and dash. I assume Salem must come back in. So there will be a finals hard luck story in the backline again this year by the looks. El Diablo uh, also adds about that. Uh, I also wanted to ask, what do you make of Salem's place in our list? Is he really a lock at the moment? I felt our half-back line more, was more dynamic without him last week. Controversial comments for sure there. I, I can't see how Salem can't get back in the team. I know he had the, got injured in the first game, missed a whole chunk of the season. He's come back, it took him a while to sort of find his feet. He started getting a bit of penetration in his kick. He wasn't, hasn't been brilliant like he was last year but we know what a skillful player he is. He's copped the injury now. 
I'm assuming he will be back in two weeks' time. What does our back line look like? Is Jake Bowie going to be unlucky, um, uh, George? Yeah, that's the uh, big $64 million <laughs> question for the selectors next week. Uh, it's a nice position to be in, but look, um, uh, we'll talk about it more next week. But look, Salem's the best 22. He's our best kick in the in the side. I can't see him not being there. Unfortunately, that's going to mean that someone's going to miss out. Um, Jaden Hunt is uh, doing exactly yes. what Melchum is yep. doing at the other end of the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a finals position and potentially a, a grand final slot available if you continue to play the way you're doing. Um, I think Hunt's um, cottoned onto the idea that you're a defender first now. Um, and in this game, he had an incredible nine intercepts. You know, it's just just exactly what what's, uh, we've been calling for. Um, he's not going anywhere at the moment. Um, Bowie came in as a last-minute um, replacement um, um, and he, he played well. He still still did his job what was needed. But, um, yeah, the selectors are, are going to have a very difficult decision and, and there's going to be someone who's going to be very disappointed. So we just have to wait and see. Big man. Yeah, I thought you could not give our defensive system or defensive unit more credit. I mean, it was phenomenal. I mean, just, again, they got eight more inside 50s than us in a game of footy and we won that game by 54 points or, or whatever it was. I mean, incredible performance by the back seven. Um, and they, you know, the stuff around the thumping the chest, the Wolf of Wall Street, yeah. Jones was talking about that before the game and that, that was the theme. He asked Chaplin about what the theme was and that was the theme, the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, and apparently um, it came out in the finals last year. Goody has themes for big matches um, and Wolf of Wall Street was one. Um, the thumping of the chest is a scene in the movie. Um, and it was interesting because Jones was um, uh, also, they interviewed May afterwards was asking about it, but was asking Chaplin. Um, it was a bit cheeky by Jones, I thought, but what's the total? What's the number? Because um, it was 67 points to keep in some game in a final last year to keep the opposition under 67. And if they keep them under 67, that's where the thumping of the chest comes in. Um, and... Um, he, he put May on the spot after the game, um, Jones, and the answer for this was, you know, he, the speci- he directly asked him what was the number, what was the number they had to keep him under for, for you to all thump your chest, and it was 60. Um, so I thought that was really interesting insight into coach, uh, Goody's coaching, but also how critical the defence is. So, you know, you would have heard during the week the pushback against the um, our criticism of our offence. Um, I heard um, uh, one of the coaches come out and say, well, look, you know, we're, um, you know, I think he said ninth on the table for offence since um, the bye. Um, and um, the defence is our focus. Uh, and so they came into the game aiming to keep, of the opposition under 60 points. May said that was huge. He didn't think it was going to be possible. They're the best offensive team in the AFL. You would have heard a number of people say that. Um, so to keep that team on a perfect night um, to 57 points um, is just phenomenal. Um, and, you know, the, they all deserve a huge credit for the pressure they absorbed. But I, I, a special shout-out to Hunt. That was the best game of footy he's played for the club in a long time, I reckon. Super valuable, um, right, consistent from the get-go. He's I just love it when players improve weaknesses in their game and his kicking, his touch has been beautiful in the last in the Pies game. 
in the Blues game, less so, but um, you know, he was good in that last quarter. Um, but some of his touch kicking and, you know, not, you know, wading into space and allowing players to run onto it was just just fantastic because, you know, it's no, obviously a pretty hard skill to do when you're running flat out like he is. I, I thought he was terrific. The other, the other one to um, that needs to be recognised is Rivers, um, who got a special mention from Stephen May in his interview that um, uh, one of the things that I particularly noticed in this was uh, the return of that overlap running that he provides yeah. off that half-back line. And it is absolutely lethal what he's what he's capable of doing he picks the ball up at that half back line slides around through the middle and then thumps it right forward it completely sets the um uh, opposition defenders at, at at ill ease so um yeah big credits to him so you sort of go rivers is performing well hunt's yeah, performing yeah. well uh hibbert's performing well <laughs> yeah. petty lever and may aren't going anywhere and and Jakey Bowie also, comes into yeah, the Jake, team and he, yeah. he plays a good game. And he plays well as well, yeah. Nice <laughs> but, problem I mean, to have, but yeah. Really, it was fortuitous to a degree because for when Salem came out and I heard, you know, it was late, wasn't it? It was only a yep. couple of hours before the game and yep. I heard Bowie. I mean, you couldn't ask for a more, you know, for a better swap for someone as good as Salem as Bowie. He essentially mm-hmm. come in and play exactly the same role. And I, I actually, you know, I think it's, he, of course, Salo's best 22 and he'll come back in and, you know, probably for Bowie, you'd think. But uh, I, we didn't lose anything, did we, by having Bowie? I thought Bowie's pace also was, he seemed a bit quicker. Um, his aggression um, for, you know, um, for for anyone, but particularly for a, you know, smaller player like him. Um, I, I thought he had a terrific game and, um, you know, we didn't, as I say, we didn't lose anything by having Salo out, which is a credit to their system, but it's a credit, obviously, to um, our depth and, and Bowie. We have another caller on the line. Welcome to the Demoland podcast. Who am I talking to? Oh, I'm, I apologise. I had you on mute. Uh, who am I talking to? Uh, it's time. Ah, it's time. How are you? Well, well, gentlemen, nice to speak to you again. And... Uh, on a happy occasion. Yes, likewise. Um, I wanted to uh, switch down for a quick discussion down the other end. I've got, um, down to the forwards, I've got two things I wanted to put to you guys as a question and some as a statement. Um, The question which you can get to uh, afterwards is, how is it we we discuss these games, we analyse them, we think we know a bit about footy, but, boy, are there some imponderables like how is it that suddenly after a half a season where we seem to have lost a lot of our ball movement and we went from being number one I think in the first eight rounds to ending up being you know 17th and then suddenly we switch on something that we look like we have no idea how to do the week before against lowly Carlton Um, you know there's some things that from week to week just uh, go and then they come you know, and it's taken weeks for it to come back, and it was spectacular on uh, in that game. The question I'd like to put is uh, how, you know, what, what's the theory behind where where we find the ability to switch that on? Um, that's one question. The other one is, I um, I uh, went to the Collingwood. I happened to be in Melbourne. Went to the Collingwood Carlton game yesterday. And one thing um, I'll say about that is that what's very clear about Collingwood, and it was clear against us as well, is efficiency inside 50. 
and uh, how well, when they moved the ball, they delivered inside 50 with low kicks to passes and how efficient that makes them. And uh, we did a lot more of that, I thought, against Brisbane. But it, it really is clear from Collingwood and what they've achieved this year that that's one of their biggest strengths because they're differentials in most of the key differentials that we would regard as critical to our game plan in terms of uh, uh, contested possessions. I think that they had a ridiculous, Carlton had a ridiculous advantage and yet, you know, and, and also with inside 50s and yet lost the game. Um, and, and part of the efficiency we've been missing, I think, inside 50 is just, again, the imponderable of how do some players, and I think I'm thinking of Ben Brown, suddenly start kicking accurately again. When he looked like he was, a few weeks ago, he looked like he was almost done. Couldn't kick to save himself and couldn't mark and couldn't lead. And suddenly he was leading and we were, and we were passing to him. We seemed to start to honour his leads. And I thought that made quite a big difference uh, to where we go. And when we come into this final series, I think efficiency and ability to kick the goals you have to is going to be really, really important. Um, and, and it makes me a bit nervous because we don't know how we're going to... We can't predict that. It's one of those unpredictables. You know, Max Gorn, uh, Ben Brown a little bit, and a few of the other guys, um, some weeks miss them and some weeks get them. Uh, but on the board, so interested to know what, what you think. I mean, I don't know whether that week or two off for Ben Brown fixed a couple of physical things that were putting his kicking off or uh, what's going on with him. But he looked much more like the 2021 Ben Brown. And I think it's going to make a big difference to us. Um, and just interested what you guys think about, you know, why, why are we, how did we suddenly switch it on so well when we'd, it had been missing for quite a few weeks? Uh, and also with the ball movement, obviously. That's the that's the $6 million question, B-Man. I hope you have the answer for that because I certainly don't, don't know. Well, I feel like that's a Dorothy Dixon, really. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I mean... Uh, yeah, <laughs> it is, the, it the, is. At the risk of, you know, repeating myself, is that the model is all about, you know, a particular way that the Ds want to play and that's that running in waves is when we're up in our best and at, at our very best, we are running in waves. And, again, I really like the coverage. So if you happen to watch the replay again, there's a, a lot of high shots that they've done and, and a lot of down-the-ground shots. And you really see right from the very first bounce to, uh, well, particularly that first half, um, that wave running, the swarm that I talk about, like multiple players, four or five players running parallel with the ball, the ball gets to a contest and a stop and suddenly we've got three, four players and they've only got two at the ball. At one point, I did that last night, I, I froze it when I watched the replay. We had five players in the first half at a contest. They had one. It was incredible. That whole team, whole swarm running is what the model is and all season goody will do it um, and it won't work but he'll keep doing it because the importance is you don't move away from the system. And, and the answer to the question is because we're... Three weeks ago, we weren't close to our, you know, we were closing in on our optimal physical readiness. Um, we're pr pretty close now, I suspect, and we'll probably be even fresher and closer to our optimal um, for the qualifying final. Um, but, uh, you know, you take the, the example of Ben Brown. It's because he's gone through a heavy training um, program, volume and intensity from around about round 10 for two full months. Um, and then progressively, as we head towards the final, they start tapering four to five weeks 
keep the whole team up at a optimal level from this point through to the grand final. Um, tricky thing to do, um, but that's what we're te- attempting to do, and it's looking very much like last year. I've talked about the mirror of last year. Even this game was incredibly similar to um, uh, the Geelong game in the sense that the penalty was big for both teams should they lose. Um, it was huge for, for Brisbane. They fell out of the top four. We we got a top um, two and a nominally a home last year, but home this year. Um, so, you know, the short answer is it's all about the loading program and the period, periodization training program to, to be more accurate. Um, and we're closer to our optimal fitness and we saw it. Um, and that's what the other teams have to get to. And the other teams, Carlton and Collingwood and Sydney, will all be all at their optimal fitness for the last six or seven weeks just to get to this point. Um, so we'll see a completely different performance um, when we play Sydney as we played them last time. And if we play Colin again, the same is true there. It's time. Anything else? Um, no, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, and it, and I, I think it's a bit of a testament. Well, it's an interesting one uh, around all these uh, close games that Collingwood have won, which clearly show their fitness you know, late in games. And I had a little bit of a look actually at our performance in last quarters uh, this year compared to last year because I felt that we'd dropped off uh, a fair bit. What what would be your predictions on how you think we went last quarters this year? And I think that was a reflection on, you know, we've done the same loading. Um, Yes, we had a bit of a, we had a harder draw this year, but um, I thought we'd started to lose, you know, we had, as we know, we had, what, six, seven games where we were, you know, I think in almost all our losses, we were winning by 20-plus points and then one way or the other faded out. And uh, so, yeah, I actually had a look at that. Um, any, any predictions on which year was a better year or how we've gone? How much worse, how much better? Who wants to take that one? I suspect it's a trick question. I suspect <laughs> it was last year. Um, so, you know, but, um, you know, the last eight games of the season, the last six games of the season, you, you know, it's been chalk and cheese about who we've played. I mean, mm. we've played essentially three final games um, in front mm. of big crowds in the last um, three um you know, last four games, so well, last three games really, um, doesn't compare to Brisbane um, to Gold Coast in an empty Marvel Stadium. You know, West Coast over there, and you know, there's no comparison really. Geelong in an empty stadium as well, so and Adelaide um, at the MC, empty and MCG. Adelaide, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I know. I mean, the numbers. I'm guessing it's time that the you know that um, we've not travelled as well in the second half of this um, season, or at least in the back half of this season. Well, I'll tell you, it's really interesting because, um, I mean, it's remarkable that our percentage is within 0.3 of last year. Our 0.4 were were only 43 points more on the entire season than last year. And we're 40 points, uh, we've conceded 40 points more on defence. So, you know, differential of three points in total between the two just unbelievably similar to last year. And on the, on the uh, quarter, final quarters lost last year and this year, this year in the first 10 rounds, we lost three. In the second 10 rounds, we lost seven. So we lost 10, uh, we lost 10 last quarters this year, but, but seven of those in the last. Um, but then, as you say, I mean, for what it's worth, obviously we had a harder, much harder draw in the second half of the year. 
Last year, we were, again, so close. It was two, we lost two last quarters in the first 10 rounds, which is pretty remarkable because it was really only around the mid stage that it looked like we were really starting to become a contender and we were playing very good football. Quite a few of those first uh, games, the first rounds, we didn't play particularly well last year, but we only lost two in the first 10 um, last year compared to three this year. And then in the second half last year, we lost six of 12. And this year we lost only seven uh, of 12, which arguably, uh, you know, is a better performance given the level of uh, yeah, yeah. of opponents. But it's also and those just numbers marry up with... On with... So, yeah, those, those numbers yeah. marry up with so many of the parallels to last season. I mean, even the ladder finishing position and, and the way we finished, it's so, so very similar. Um, there's so many, um, you know, obviously, I mean, it makes it should come as no shock given Goody's philosophy is so much about repetition. Yeah, and I think that um, the run-in we've had in the last five weeks is probably going to, put us in really, really good stead uh, in terms of managing, you know, finals like pressure already. We're pretty used to that. Whereas Geelong, on the other hand, have had such an easy run in. It's, uh, I don't think that's going to help them very much, I hope. But, um, yeah, anyway, just a few observations. But I, I like your suggestion around, uh, I've always said, you know, in my mind, there's a good Melbourne and a bad Melbourne. A good Melbourne run and bad Melbourne don't. And uh, it's sort of, you know, what you're saying about when we're doing well on the ball movement. I hadn't particularly thought about that at this point. But, um, you know, why we didn't, why weren't we doing that against Carlton? And, um, you know, but then if we kick straight on it. That's the thing. It's That's what yeah, I don't like about uh, not taking into account because it implies it's a psychological weakness of some sort, that turn it on, turn it off, flick the switch, all of that nonsense is is just nonsense. If we run out of gas against the pies, we run out of gas against the blues, um, you know, you don't have to be a sports scientist to, to see it. You can see it with your eyes. But if you don't factor that in, the only other explanation is somehow we're mentally variable from week to week, which I just reject as a, as a sort of thought. Yeah, I'm not sure I entirely agree. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you're right about the loading, but I don't think that it goes as long. I don't think it's going to affect it as deeply. It's certainly, we pulled out of it last year a bit earlier. So, I don't know. Anyway, the Carlton game, we should well and truly, loading shouldn't have been an issue by then, and we, we really struggled with our ball movement, and we certainly switched it on, uh, you know, obviously against Brisbane. So, fingers crossed that that's going to be proven to be where we sit now, and it's not... Uh, a reflection on Brisbane. It's actually a reflection on us freshening up, and um, and we're in really good stead if we continue it. Uh, anyway, thank you very much, guys. Thank uh, you, as always. Thank you very much. Uh, it's time. Really appreciate the call, and we'll speak to you soon. Okay. Cheers. Have a good one. You too. That was it's time. So we'll uh, we'll get go on with the question. I'm going to skip a couple. So apologies to Engorge Dungeon and D Knox. Um, did have some good questions, but I, I am going to move it on because that sort of relates to some of the things we've already talked about. I don't want to go over uh, things over and over again. Altona Demon asks, uh, have we shown our hand too early? It was clear from the game that the Ds were playing a different style of attack going to forward 50 and also exiting defensive 50, which you've sort of alluded to uh, 
um, big man already. Shock horror may kick to different points of the ground, often to Langdon's wing. On numerous occasions, entering forward 50, we took the dangerous inboard kick into leading lanes vis-a-vis our usual mode of operation, kicking uh, into the forward uh, into the pocket for contests. Does this help or hinder us or was it a good chance uh, to give it a hit out before we deploy the similar style against Sydney? Um, look, I, I'm i not an expert in this, but I guess if you are going to have some type of plan B, you do have to uh, uh, practice under match conditions rather than training conditions. So if that is a thing, then uh, I guess you do have to try it in game. So what, when are you, what are you waiting to tip your hand? You, you, you're going to have to show it at some point. Uh, B-Man, what do you think? Uh, no, I, I think that 100%. We, I mean, again, just got to look at last season. We did stuff in the finals that we didn't do in the home and away, and we'll do the same thing again. I'm sure Goody would have preferred not to um, tactically show his hand, but they made it very clear that um, they desperately wanted to win this game. They didn't shy away from the fact that it was critical to finish top four. They said that in the lead-up to the game. They talked about the fact apparently a big theme of the week was that your point, Andy, that they haven't been out of the top four um, since the beginning of the last season. They, they made that a theme of the week. Um, they played this game to, for keeps. Um, as I say, I, I reckon he would have preferred to keep some of that um, um, tactical powder dry. Uh, one of the really interesting things that I heard, and I forget now who said it afterwards, is um, one of the players, or perhaps it was one of the coaches, saying that Melbourne can win in different ways. Um, and so in this game, we had really high numbers for Melbourne for scoring from the back half um, and really unusually high for us. Um, and it's like suddenly that's an issue that Brisbane have to deal with. Suddenly we're scoring goals from the halfback flank, not just from turnover. Um, but we can come up against another team, not score any from the halfback flank and um, score from turnover. So um, I I think you'll see that there'll be plenty of tactical um, tweaks, nothing major, but some change-ups that, um, you know, um, he'll bring into the finals. Um, Plenty of them, he's, he's... He's clever the way he does it. Um, he'll keep his tactical powder dry until he needs it. Um, he needed it on um, Friday night um, and he used it. Um, I have no doubt he'll do the same come finals. I'd just uh, like, like to add there, sorry, Andy. Yeah, um, no, no. You'll see, the, um, you'll see little tactical uh, tweaks in every game, but I think the real concern for other clubs who are facing us in the finals is this was Melbourne running it over the ground at their very best. It was frightening what was coming from those half-back line, uh, half-back flankers and, and the defensive structures in place. This, this was Melbourne as we played in the grand final in the third quarter last year at absolutely our best. And they're going, how in the hell are we going to stop this? Exactly, George. That's the thing. It's like, exactly. Like, what tactics do you employ against that? Because the only tactic you can really employ against that is to have players fit and fast enough to run with Cozzy for 150 metres up the ground, back, back, up and down. I mean, look at that. One of the play that started with um, Ben Brown coming off the bench, running, sprinting to the back line, marking it at full back, that ball going up the other end. I mean, what teams can... You have to be able to run with them. That's what Geelong have made it clear is that they when they when Scott was talking about their loading during that period, he was talking about the only way we're going to beat Melbourne. That's what he his subtext of what he was talking about. Um, you know that is a 
like how, what tactics can you do to do it? It's like the game against Frio is the talk was, well, couldn't they move the ball quick? That's what they like to do. We stopped them moving the ball quick. Brisbane like to move the ball quick. We stopped them moving the ball quick. If we play Collingwood, go for their lives. Go for those kicks down the corridor. We will carve them up. Um, Stu says, uh, the kick to players leading towards our goal was used very successfully. This allowed the forwards to stay inside 50 and then lead up to the player with the ball sitting 70 to 80 metres out. It's not commonly used by any teams and seems to be a point of difference we might employ in this final series. Guys. I I thought that was a really interesting question. Um, I saw it on the thread because... I went back and, and looked at some of the goals. A lot of them were set up with exactly that kick. There was a beautifully weighted kick to, um, I can't remember, maybe it was Hibbert, um, or Swallow into Petrarca where he marked on the half-forward flank and um, then kicked deep. And then we were at that 60-70 forward, I, I thought that was, you know, that was one of the tactical tweaks actually, I thought, because they were looking for that um, the 70-metre the hit. So, yeah, that was a really interesting question. The one thought I did have about it is that it's not dissimilar to what Geelong do with Cameron, who who not quite the same, but he he runs back towards the goal and they look to give it to him up around the 60-metre mark and then he's running inside. That's a bit different because um, generally they don't have the forwards coming at them, although Hawkins is is deep. So, yeah, I thought that was a really interesting one and, and um, I'll, I'll go back and look at the goals to check that out. But that, that they did seem to be kicking to that half-forward line Quite a lot, and weighted wait, some beautiful kicks in there too. I must say. Uh, D Minion says Petrarca seems to be playing a bit of time in the forward line in the past few weeks. Are we saving him to be unleashed in September? Is it uh, is it to give Gus more midfield minutes? Does anybody have the time forward stats for track in the past few weeks? I'm not complaining as he's managed to hit the scoreboard uh, twice. Uh, do you think we are? saving up uh, a track to be unleashed uh, more into the midfield in September because he is playing a bit of time up forward. Um, what do you think of that strategy, George? Um, I think you. I think there might be confusing um, the fact that Petrarca is in the forward line with what's going on. Um, it started happening a couple of weeks ago where the rotation, um, I think it's mainly because we haven't got that second uh, tool at the moment available to us in the forward line. The mids rotation goes through the forward line, so you'll see Swallow, Brayshaw, Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs> Swallow, yeah, we're back. Be man. Yeah, Sparrow, Sparrow, Brayshaw. Um, <laughs> you don't see you don't see Oliver there. He usually, usually uh, goes to the bench, I think. Viney, uh, or all uh, resting or or coming off the bench as part of their rotations. First place they go to is the for is that forward line. So. Um, Yes, they are spending a lot more time, whereas previously I think the rotations were going um, basically off the bench uh, for the mids, but they're now rotating through that forward line. So we're seeing more time for Petrarca. Um, it's in, certainly in this game, it worked very well while, while he was there. So um, we'll probably keep playing it, but um, I don't think you're saving Petrarca up for the finals in particular um, because there are plenty of others on the side that um, they've got to worry about as well, not just him. Yeah, I think it's sort of a little bit about the tactical tweaks, isn't it? Because, you know, again, I think Goody's a much underrated coach on the tactical front and he uses these pieces 
uh, really cleverly. And and I think, um, I mean, track has been spending a bit of time up um, forward. Um, I think part of that is to do with his fatigue and some issues that maybe he's been carrying. But in this game, it made a lot of sense because it exploited their defensive weakness um, mm. so well. It really messed with their ability to... Um, to, to cover players um, and it's interesting just going back to Stu's point about that 70 metres kick it was Petrarca a couple of times and then that's a great spot for him because he gets if he kicks deep he's kicking you know 70 metres he clears easily doesn't he so he's such a good kick um, from a field kick off one step Petrarca um, so you know he's He's such a dangerous player anywhere, but uh, you know he, he's terrific to watch up forward. And that goal he kicked, the um, you know the uh, the banana was just just so calm and casual, wasn't it? So I'd rather him doing that kick than <laughs> a set shot. So um, yeah, it's interesting how they'll play him in the finals. But again, it's a bit like the Gorn and Jackson conversation because suddenly he can play fifty fifty forward Petrarca. But in a big game, he can, and maybe that's what the opposition are just scouting for, and they're going to work out how they what they do with Petrarca, and suddenly you could go eighty percent midfield and only twenty percent, and be just as damaging in the midfield. Um, it's you know, he's a phenomenal player to watch. I love I love watching him play. But yeah, it's an interesting the way they have played him in the last um, five six weeks up forward. Couple of minutes on Cozzy, if you could, gents. Uh, this is sorry. This is from D Zephyr. Uh, Fifteen goals in the first eleven rounds, twenty-three in the last eleven rounds, with eighteen of those twenty-three coming in the last six rounds, which arguably was the hardest part of our fixture. Not many of us have seen finals at the G since twenty eighteen. If he carries this uh, form into September, uh, us Melbourne supporters will be in for some 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 type of treat. He's been sublime. Now, he has kicked, last year he kicked 40 goals, 28 uh, from the 25 games. In 20 games this year, he's kicked 38 goals, 15. So he's, he's two less goals, he's uh, two goals away from um, from his what he kicked last year. So he's on track for having a, a better season uh, in terms of uh, goal kicking uh, this year uh, than he did last year. Yeah, he's, he's just remarkable, isn't he? He's, he's that X factor that you need, particularly when you're going into finals, and we've seen it in this game and the previous game as well. Um, when when you need someone to pull something miraculous out of the bag, he's capable of doing it. Um, and, and like Jackson, it's you've, you've just got to remember the guy's 20. Mm. You know, he's, he's just remarkable what he's... Uh, People were making the comparison with Cyril Rioli a couple of years ago when he first started in terms of his style. Well, he's starting to produce the same sort of output in terms of, of hitting the scoreboard as well. So, yeah, he's he's fantastic. Um, don't underestimate as well, like in, in this game in particular, he, he ruined Daniel Rich's and Brisbane's chances <laughs> completely. Rich, Rich needs the space to be able to kick long, uh, particularly up the corridor, Cosie was on to him right from the very start. You know, he's limiting him, make, forcing him to do short kicks, completely ruins the game structure and game tactics simply because he puts the pressure and the work onto those type of players. So, yeah, he's he's a very vital part of it. I hope his uh, bandage around his knee is doing its job because we can't afford to lose him out of the side. And I love how good he is on his left foot. I mean, and the same with Milksham, to have two players in your forward line who can kick so well on their on their non-dominant foot 
um, is just such a bonus. Um, he's such a clever footballer. Speaking of the Cyril um, comparison, what he's got all over um, Rioli is how fit he is and how, what a runner he is. Like, he is phenomenal. Just watch him run. If you watch some shots of this game, is how often he's up deep in defence and he gets back. He, he must be a serious, um, you know, athlete in terms of his running ability. Um, he, his pressure that he provides all over the ground, not just in the forward line, is is impressive. Um, and as we've talked about often, I, the thing that the, probably the thing I most like about him is his footy IQ is just completely off the charts. It's like a it's a bit of a cliche to say he's a natural footballer, but he's a natural footballer who is thinking ahead of where the where the his opponent is. So he always seems like he's got. Um, you know, an advantage on him. And, you know, there's Ginevan has kicked 38 goals too. He's an excellent player, Ginevan. Um, I, I really like him. But Ginevan doesn't, for instance, have that ability to get up the ground at a fast clip and get back. That's the thing. Good, Because um, he can, you know, run 150 metres up the ground at good pace and run back at good pace, that's going to stretch almost any opponent. And that's what I was saying about Cameron. Cameron doesn't do that. Cameron just doesn't provide it. If he's not kicking goals, he doesn't do enough, whereas Cozzy can have a fantastic match with four or five possessions. Um, it's nice, though, Andy, though, when he's kicking goals, isn't it? It's, it certainly is. Um, in Cyril's first uh, three years, he played 64 games and kicked 72 goals. Um, so far in uh, Cozzy's first three years, he's played 59 games for 81 goals. So he's played five less games Um than Cyril and kicked um, nine more goals so far um, than him. So and he's on, adds he's all on. of that pressure and the yeah. running and the you know he's he's critical <clears throat> not just to our forward structure like Spargo and like all of those players he's critical to our all ten defense and you can you cannot untangle those two things um, and just on Cosy. How much did you love that banana? I mean, just he never. I was so confident he was going to get it. I don't know why, because that's a thirty seventy shot at best or a twenty eighty yeah. shot at best, isn't it? So it, it just never looked like missing. He'll light I, up. I had the, I had the misfortune of listening initially to the match on the ABC, and they had Jason Akamanis commenting on that and. Uh, as he's lining up for that kick, he's, he sort of says something along the line. There is absolutely no way that Cozzy can get this. He's already run 150 metres to get to the... There is absolutely no... Absolutely, he's kicked it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was... It was, it was um, yeah, the, the original um, sort of foot-and-mouth stuff from Akamanis, <laughs> not surprisingly, but uh, yeah, he couldn't believe that someone could put that much work into getting there in the first place and then to finish it off from that distance was just remarkable. That's such a good point about like to be able to be that fatigued and run that hard and still be able to execute. Um, Hunt did a similar. He didn't execute in the end, but he was on the end of a chain um, that he kicked inside 50 and he got it deep in the forward. He started the chain deep in the um, opposition defence and mm, ran the length of right. the ground, uh, muddled up the last kick in there, but just phenomenal running. I can't wait to see Cozzy light up the G in September, full full crowd. Uh, it'd be a sight to behold. Um, El Diablo, uh, we're going to get to your. We spoke about this before the show. Uh, your pimp, your Premiership metrics uh, question. You want us to di- dive deep into it? I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about that next week when we do our finals preview. So we will get to it. Um, we are on top of it. Uh, Lazy wants to know, and maybe this is also a question for next week, is it dangerous to be jumping the gun on how we potentially fit T-Mac 
back into this team. Um, without going too much into it, can you see if T-Mac passes all, and ticks all the boxes, does he get into this, this forward line, uh, George? I think it'll be a very big ask to get T-Mac back into the side. Apparently he... Forget the uh, fitness he, aspect. If, if he the, yeah, ticks all the boxes, I'm saying. If he ticks all the boxes, uh, I think he, <laughs> it's going to be very difficult to tick all the boxes, <laughs> yeah. is basically the bottom line. Um, he's Would you not even have him sit in the forward line? <laughs> well, the other, the, the other option, and you've only got to look at the emergencies for this week... Uh, um, Joel Smith was named as yeah. the uh, other emergency. He's, I think Joel is closer to getting a run than T-Mac at the moment. Oh, you know, it's an interesting question because if we were if talking we... about this three weeks ago, it would be, yeah, how could you imagine not having T-Mac in there? Mm. But such has been the performance of Melksham. Um, you know, he's done his job. He also, against Carlton, was taking contested marks up in Kicked four our goals. forward line. So kick six goals. four goals, three it would be huge. It might come down to um, matchups. Mm. You know, it mm. depends who we play. And if, um, you know, if, for instance, if it's against Geelong, um, they might feel they need the extra tall to, you know, they've got a tall defensive system. They've got an excellent defensive grid they use. Um, you know, so maybe it, it will come down to matchups. Whereas, for instance, Sydney, if it was in two weeks' time, it's not going to be them. But if it was Sydney, their, their defence isn't um, as tall, for instance, and, you know, it's probably not as needed against them, maybe against Geelong. So, um, you know, but Smith is a viable option too. But, you know, I suspect... I've said all along that, you know, I thought they'd go with a second tall. Maxi is definitely playing that second tall sort of role in terms of bringing it to ground. George's point's a good one about him not being a natural forward. But, you know, we know Goody, he backs his, the incumbents in and he's, you know, it's, I guess he makes the tough calls. I think Jordan's the other one. I mean, it's going to be tougher on Jordan not mm, to get back into that team than two, T-Mac, you know. Two just, years in a row. I mean, he got the medal last year, but I'm sure he yeah, wants to be yeah. playing. So at this stage, it's hard to see, isn't it? It's hard yeah. to see, you know, but um, it might be matchups and, um, you know, there's time. Well, we'll know more uh, probably when we talk next week because he is playing a practice match. Uh, they're going to get limited time at Casey, so we'll at least see how he's running and how he's moving and that might give us a better indication uh, to answer that question next week because I'm sure it'll get asked by 17 people before then, including ourselves. Um, so let's... Well, just we've got a bit of a spiel on the uh, finals preview. Uh, the footy gods smiled, sure smiled on us this weekend. All the results went our way, ensuring that we netted the coveted top two spot on the ladder. Uh, we didn't go back to back in the minor premiership stakes, but no one ever remembers the minor premiers. We ended up with 16 wins and six losses with a tougher draw than last season that netted us the 17 wins, four losses and a draw. In five of our six losses, we led at one stage by around four goals. And in the Cats game, we got to within a goal with about 10 minutes to play. There was only really one blowout and we had some mitigating circumstances in that block of three uh, that we lost in the mid-year. When you look at the breakdown of each team in the top eight in regards to who they played, the Ds have played 11 games against uh, the other top eight teams with five wins and six defeats, whereas the other top four teams have only played eight games against other top eight teams. Uh, Cats and Swans are at 6-6-2 six, six, and Collingwood are at three f- wins and five defeats. 
factoring the Cats also playing North and West Coast twice and we're not far off that pre- uh, minor premiership again. We play the Swans this week. If we win, we head straight to a home preliminary final at the G. Uh, prospective matchups include uh, Geelong, Collingwood, Fremantle or the Bulldogs. A loss to the Swans means a matchup at the G against Brisbane or Richmond and then it's either out in straight sets or a date with uh, either Geelong or Collingwood in the preliminary final, also at the MCG. In fact, you'll be happy to know that the top two position and the position of other teams in the eight, in particular the Victorian teams, means that all of our games in September will be played at our home at the MCG. In general, guys, are you happy with our finals matchup this week and the outlook on the road to a grand final and a potential back-to-back premiership? B-Man, I'll start with you. This time last year, we were talking um, uh, on the eve of the finals, um, well, in fact, leading into the just ahead of the round about the um, stats that um, Joey Mantegna was talking about on first crack about the record of teams that finished second um, and that, in fact, teams finishing first in the last 20 years haven't um, had a great record. Um, so now, we now, first. Now, now we'll listen to the statistic. Yeah, exactly. Ignore. When we finished first last year, well, there was an asterisk because was, there was a break before the finals and there was all of that palaver. But now back in a normal season, I'm going back with the second is the place to finish. So, um, you know, in all seriousness, you know, thinking back to this time last year, um, we're all hopeful. Um, I was pretty confident, but we're all we didn't know what was coming. Obviously, we uh, there's inarguable we're in a better position this year. We're not travelling interstate. Last year we didn't know where we were going to end up being. We're we're you know we, yeah, we didn't even know that, in a hotel. We didn't even know if in, the granny was in Perth yet, did we? Exactly. Mm-hmm. We didn't know what was going mm-hmm. on this year. We know. Now we are not leaving Victoria. How great is that in terms of their ability to plan um, going forward? Um, we've got games on our home deck, um, including this week. I'm pleased that we're playing Sydney um, in this first game. I wouldn't have been concerned if we were playing Collingwood particularly, but, um, you know, it just means that it's not going to be full of, of <laughs> it's going to be easier to get a ticket for a start. <laughs> um, so that, that that's a good thing. Tomorrow, 10am um, you know, for members. Uh, but yeah, we haven't played Sydney, um, so I'm I'm really pleased with the way it's panned out. Um, you know, obviously finishing second is huge. Um, you know, it was statistically very unlikely that the um, Saints were going to um, give up a 56 point margin. So again, going back to what I was saying before, I think it, you put up there, Andy. If they'd scored 50 points in Kilda, they had to win by 51 points, and for every 10 points more yeah. than 50 that the Saints scored is. It goes up, it almost doubles, doesn't it? So that uh, double their score essentially. Um, so I'm, I'm super pleased. You know, in my perspective, we know that we can win a flag. We know our best is good enough under pressure. Goody's been talking about um, our ability to perform in big games um, this week. He hasn't said a peep about that all until now. Um, we're tracking great. We've got a full list to choose from. Even TMAC um, is is um, likely to be um, at least available, better than last season. Um, we're fit firing. We're staying at home. Um, it sets up beautifully. George? Nothing much more to add to that. Um... I was certainly barracking for the Saints. I just said just in, in the game against Sydney because uh, Sydney could have easily um, at one stage uh, it looked yeah, like they were going to roll the them. job. 
Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, and and every time the Saints kicked a goal, I thought that's beauty. That's worth more than that's a goal. Right. <laughs> exactly, that's worth yeah, more yeah. than a goal. They yeah, got a they got a couple nine, in a row. Points. Yeah. yeah. So and they uh, got a goal in the last thirty seconds or the last ten seconds of the um, third yeah. quarter, which yeah. I was mighty relieved. And yeah. and King couldn't miss. Yep. yep. <laughs> Five no, so, we, so so we took it all. But at the end of the day, we did what we needed to do. Yeah. That's all we can control, um, and we did it very very well. Um, uh, we we finished second because this year we were the you know either the first or the second best side in the competition. It's as simple as that. Yeah, the latter uh, was yeah, told the tale, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Geelong probably got the run because of a, a favourable draw as as usual. Um, but um, and we've we've had to um, basically play a number of finals before we've even got to the finals against top eight sides that that others in the eight haven't had to play. So we're we're beautifully paced. Things did fall our way. That's nice nice for a change compared to previous years. And it certainly helps out Andy's MFCSS, of course. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, no, it didn't. Not, not over the weekend. I was not nervous about 10 no. matches instead of the one. Yeah, but <laughs> no, imagine, Andy, what, imagine if the results had gone the other way. Oh, yeah. What did you say um, Collingwood's record was against top eight teams? It's now like, th- oh, their record against top eight teams yeah. is three, five, and two of those wins are against us. Yeah, right. So given two of them against us. Um, I don't know who they Certainly the first one time. we're in a heavy training block, but the second one we're not, we weren't optimal. But given they won 11 straight, um, it was 11 straight, wasn't it? Given they won 11 games straight and 3-5 against top eight for a team that's finished fourth um, and for their percentage to be just north of 100%, that's, you know... I mean, all power. Well, look, they've won 13, ga- 13 games by under 12 points. It's, yeah, I mean, uh, it's unbelievable. You know. It's really, you yeah. can only give them credit yeah. for it. And I, I've just loved the way McRae's responded to it all. He's just been a total breath mm. of fresh air, I reckon. So I'm, I'm pleased for Collingwood. They're exciting to watch. Um, but 3-5 is a concerning number mm. if, you're, if, uh, if you're thinking about playing Melbourne or Geelong um, and you've, you know, you're, you're not even 50-50 against other top eight teams. Mm, be interesting. Well, we'll go into a bit more depth uh, next week about the finals. Maybe each of us will take a team that we think uh, is is our biggest threat, and um, yeah, we'll do a bit more, go a bit more in depth uh, as well as going over, um, uh, you know, giving a more in depth preview of our match against um, against the Swans. Uh, Casey Demons suffered their first defeat of the season in their final round matchup against the Lions in Brisbane. Despite this, the Demons still ended the season three games and percentage clear on top of the ladder. Coincidentally, they will also face off against the Swans this week and will have a massive home ground advantage by playing out at our fortress at Casey Fields. Jacob Van Royen kicked four goals and James Jordan had 27 disposals in the 14-point loss to Brisbane. Uh, George, you did uh, watch the game. Anything uh, you want to uh, impart about it? Yeah, it was um, a very un-Casey type of game that mm. was played. It was um, played up at Red Rooster Park, of all the names, <laughs> uh, up, up there in Moreton Bay, apparently. Um, it should have been called Turkey Park, based on, firstly, the commentators uh, during the game. Uh, and secondly... He was barracking the report- for the, the quarter <laughs> I watched. Yeah, he, uh, it happened for all four quarters. But <laughs> but just just for our listeners, you know, we had we had three new recruits in this game. According to them, we had Henry Smith, Alex Chandler, and and James McDonald was <laughs> back playing again. So, um, junior, 
Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. But he was wearing number 23. That's why. <laughs> James uh, Jordan. <laughs> that, yeah, that's why he got that name. Uh, the other thing was uh, if people think the Herald Sun are any capable of, of football reporting, they uh, put a report up uh, not long after the game, which emphasised the huge Melbourne defeat <laughs> of 29, 17, 191 to 10 points for the game. And, and probably praised all the uh, Brisbane players for their magnificent effort. Uh, trouble was that was the score for the Werribee Bull Ants game. That, Including uh, pumping up Robinson for well, his ability well, to be sub and coming out well, and destroying He us. played for five minutes in the uh, in the Brisbane <laughs> yeah, game and they yeah. made such a big deal that he played two games. Well, he didn't really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was... And looked like crazy eyes after he hit it, <laughs> after he kicked that goal. It's like, Jesus, you feed that fellow. Well, because that was the crowd. I've never heard a crowd go so crazy for a sub who's come on to kick a goal. They absolutely love him there. (laughs) Anyhow, the the quality of journalism has certainly dropped in the country as as, uh, evidenced in this game. It was... um, it was a, a gusty game. Not really. The wind was not really favouring either either end. But uh, so the so it was really inconsistent around the game. Um, it was very un Casey like, as I said. They were missing Jimmy Munro for a start in the middle, um, and I think that made a huge difference in terms of uh, ball getting ability. Uh, uh, Dunstan, for example, only had fourteen disposals, and Mitch White only had fifteen. In total for the game, Brisbane are, Brisbane are a good side. That you know, uh, they win this game, they finish second, which which they obviously did. So between them and Southport, you know, second third was on the line, and they did very well with this. And uh, obviously, uh, a good number of Brisbane listed players playing for the side. JVR was uh, was a real standout as far as a forward. Four goals, took an absolute screamer of a mark in the first first quarter um, to score a goal. Um, Really, first-class game all round. They put him into the ruck as a for a short period as a replacement for Bell uh, while he was resting, and did a great job in there. But it wasn't just the rucking capabilities; it was his follow-up and ground actions. Even when he was put into that role, um, it looks like we're not going to get to see him this year. But um, yeah, he's, he was a real standout, and uh, probably either first or second best out of the Melbourne players. Uh, James Jordan played very well, 27 disposals, um, really stood out. Uh, so he's keeping his hat in the ring. Uh, Smith was very strange. Uh, he had five disposals in the first quarter and looked fantastic and then only had a total of 11 for the game, really dropped off quite considerably after that. But that seemed to be much the same for the rest of the side. Um, they just weren't up to um, up to their usual standards. Um for whatever reason, um, once again, Corey Ellison down the back line was magnificent. Um, he he will be picked up in this year's draft without any doubt. He's just too good for VFL um, level to stay there. So, um, yeah, so it was an interesting game, but uh, they finished up on top of the ladder, three games clear. You can't ask more than that. Um, there was really no need to probably, um, apart from the uh, kudos of uh, going through the season undefeated, there was nothing on the line for Casey in this game, so um, maybe they just said we'll have a have a bit of a rest this week in the lead up. Sorry, I was on mute then. Um, we've also got uh, AFLW uh, coming up, um, playing a grand final rematch, I believe. Um, and um, from what I heard today, I think it's the venue has been moved to. Uh, Glenelg. I'm not sure where it was before, George. Uh, 
yeah, the game's on uh, Friday night, so uh, keep a, keep an eye out for that. Uh, it was originally in, uh, uh, programmed for Norwood Oval, but apparently there's been too much rain there and the ground's in really poor condition, so they've moved it to Glenelg Oval. I've got no idea what that means um, in terms of an oval. Um, at least the Norwood ground's the Red Legs ground, so that's a good good start, but uh, that's not available now. So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting because... Um, like I said last week in the practice, the other week in the practice game against Carlton, and Carlton are no monkey uh, sort of side. Um, we won them by seventy points. Teams don't score seventy points, let alone win by seventy points, and they absolutely polex Carlton. So um, yeah, we're looking very promising, even though we've still got those injuries to Gabby Colvin and Eliza McNamara, unfortunately. So um, the rest of the girls looking really top top nick. It'll be interesting as a first. First up against Adelaide, who only lost a couple of players. I think they lost two players to Port, uh, Aaron Phillips and one other that escapes me. So um, they'll be down a little bit in terms of talent from um, what they had available to them in the grand final. But it'd be interesting to see uh, how much we've improved this year. And listening to Daisy um, during the week, um the girls are really keen to av- to avenge what happened in the grand final, so it'll be. I think it'll be a great game to start off the season. Um, I wonder why they're not uh, if they're moving the game uh, and there's no finals, obviously in Adelaide. Uh, why they didn't move that to Adelaide Oval? But uh, we'll never know. Thank you to uh, RPFC Nairobi Demon Lord Nev Lefty Radelaide Bigfoot Demon WA Dinox Altona Demon Stu D Minion D Zephyr Lazy and El Diablo Diablo fourteen for your questions. Thank you to our voicemailer AF. Thank you to our callers uh, that were Murdoch and it's time. Uh, thank you to my co-hosts, uh, co-hosts George and B-Man, and most importantly, thank you to our loyal listeners. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week to preview our qualifying finals match against the Swans, as well as our preview of the 2022 final series. Go Demons! Go Relegas! Come on, Demons! Come on, Demons! Come on!